0: Lord, many in this congregation have known grief, have been weary and heavy laden, have been discouraged, oppressed, or depressed. But you, O Lord, have been our help. You have been our help in ages past and you are our hope for years to come. And now all of our hope is in you. We who fear you, have placed our hope in your unfailing love. Take delight in us and comfort us. Help us, heal us, deliver us, forgive us, refresh us. Anoint and empower us to speak the word of God boldly as we witness to the name. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us, as the prophets foretold, that we might be empowered to serve you and do your will with our whole hearts and souls and minds and strength. In Jesus' name and for his glory, amen. Amen. Today, we begin our study of the book of Acts, or more properly, the Acts of the Apostles. The book of Acts is an exciting, action-packed, and hopeful storyline following the disciples who are witnessing to what they have seen and heard Jesus do and teach, just like we are still doing today. But the disciples face great challenges and are often heavy-laden, just like us. The book of Acts was written down as a pattern and an example for us on whom the fulfillment of the ages has come. It follows the, the repeating cyclic pattern of the disciples rising up and being, being emboldened by the Holy Spirit to preach the gospel. And then those who have their ears opened, repenting and being added to the family of God. And then, often Jews and sometimes Gentiles rising up to oppress and to persecute them. And then, God intervening, delivering the disciples and his people, rescuing them, and the church expanding. Is this not alike to the pattern that we have seen in our congregation and in our own lives? The disciples preach the gospel. Hearers repent and are added to the family of God. There is oppression and there is persecution. And God intervenes and rescues and the church expands. The book of Acts was written down as a pattern and an example for us on whom the fulfillment of the ages has come. Today we begin our study of the book of Acts. So it is fitting that I should give you your homework now Your homework will be to study the last chapter of Luke for next week. We'll read it today as part of this message, but next week we'll get into it more because it has an insight in it that will open our minds to understand the book of Acts more clearly. And I believe we cannot start our study in the book of Acts without looking back because Acts jumps right in. The storyline of Acts actually begins in the Gospels. And so let's turn to John Chapter 15. The book of Acts begins with grief, grief turning to joy. The last verses in John chapter 15. Jesus is in the upper room with his disciples, those nearest to him. They've seen him do and teach marvelous things. And they have walked with him through much persecution. And and they are about to see him in his suffering. And he's telling them what to expect. He's telling them about the Holy Spirit whom he is going to send upon them as he sends the Holy Spirit upon us. When the helper comes whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. That's the book of Acts in a nutshell. I have said these things to you to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogues, Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. But I have said these things to you that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. But now I am going to him who sent me. None of you asked me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Do you get it? Because Jesus is the picture, the image, the manifestation of the righteousness of God in a man like us. And if he vanishes from their sight, who's going to show us the righteousness of God? The helper. We'll convict the world concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment. I used to read that and be like, I'm a Christian, I don't want to be judged. Why does the Holy Spirit have to tell me so much about judgment? What is the Holy Spirit telling us about judgment? Concerning judgment because I'm about to go to hell. No, that's not what it says here. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged, the ruler of this world and his people are judged and we escape judgment by the blood of Christ and the Holy Spirit tells us that with power. I still have many things to say to you and declare it to you. Do you see what it is? He's entrusting to them the keys of the kingdom. A little while and you will see me no longer. And again a little while and you will see me. So some of his disciples said to one another, what is this that he says to us? A little while and you will see me. You will not see me. And again a little while and you will see me. And because I am going to the Father. So they were saying, what does he mean by a little while? We do not know what he was talking about. Jesus knew that they wanted to ask him. So he said to them, is this what you're asking yourselves? What I meant by saying, a little while and you will not see me, and again a little while and you will see me? Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep, and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn to joy. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers her anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. So also you have sorrow now that your joy may be full. I have said these things to you in figures of speech. The hour hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures of speech, but I will tell you plainly about the Father. In that day, you will ask in my name, and I do not say to you that I will ask the Father on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. I came from the Father and have come into the world, and now I am leaving the world and going to the Father. His disciples said, ah, now you are speaking plainly and not using figurative speech. Now we know that you know all things and do not need anyone to question you. This is why we believe that you came from God. Obviously, he knew what they were thinking. Jesus answered them, Do you now believe? Behold, the hour is coming, and indeed it has come, when you will be scattered, each to his own home, and will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation. But take heart. I have overcome the world. That is, again, the book of Acts in a nutshell. The book of Acts is the account of how Jesus empowered ordinary people with the Holy Spirit ordinary people like Peter in the first half of Acts, and Paul in the second half of Acts, and now you, to overcome the world. It tells how they made disciples of all nations even though, even while, they endured many troubles. Like us, until the world began to be filled with disciples of Christ, as the glory of the Lord will fill the whole earth. Amen. Turn to Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. You know that shortly after Jesus' conversation with his dear, with his beloved disciples in that upper room, the night the night uh, where he was about to be crucified, that they grieved, they were scattered, they left him alone. Some stayed at a distance in the courtyard and denied his name. Mm-hmm. And he was laid in the tomb after being crucified. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb taking the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you, while he was still in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and on the third day, rise? And they remembered his words And he went home marveling at what had happened. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? He who is omniscient and who knows all things. And they stood still looking sad. When was the last time you were so sad you couldn't even say anything? For some of us, lately. Then one of them, named Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? This is omniscient and almighty God in the flesh. He knows all things, and he sees all these things. And he said, What things? Jesus is all goodness, and he is great beyond your wildest dreams. He is most wonderful, and he is holy, holy, holy. And on top of all those things, he has a good personality and a good sense of humor. And I can almost see him kinda being like, what things? Deep in their grief. Jesus drew near to them. And their eyes were kept from recognizing him. What things? And they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Can you see their grief? This Jesus was a father to these young disciples. In so many ways, more than their own fathers. He was their Lord and master, and they had hoped he could have been their savior, and now he is dead. And people are spreading rumors, I guess, that tomb is empty, and I don't know what that's all about, but they were too deep in despair and grief to lift their heads and think, maybe he rose from the dead. They were, they were despairing of hope, like Josiah read this morning. They didn't even see him when they, when they looked at him. They couldn't see him. And sometimes it's like that for us in the Christian life. Jesus is in our midst, and we're deep in despondency as the pilgrim's progress puts it the slew of des- of despond right it's when when christian first begins his journey toward the celestial city toward his heavenly destination he almost immediately gets in this like swamp of like decaying plants and stinky quicksand and the burden on his back is heavy. Can you relate? Christian in the story is each of you. It's each of us. And, and of course, he has helped out. Put yourself in the shoes of these disciples on the road to Emmaus. This was written down as a pattern and an example for us. But we had hoped... You see, they had lost all hope. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some of the women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning. And when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, Oh, foolish ones, slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Who wants Jesus to rebuke you when you're in depression? Put that hand down. <laughs> and yet, when we're depressed, it's then that he draws near to us and he rebukes us. Can I get an amen? amen. Can I get a weak and wimpy amen? <laughs> And he said to them, Oh, foolish ones, I don't want him to call me a fool when I'm despairing even of life itself. And yet, that is exactly what I have needed. Amen? Amen. Slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. You see, the book of Acts begins in Genesis. All of the scriptures, the law, the Torah, the, the Pentateuch, all of the prophets, the history, the writings, the Psalms, the Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon the major, the minor prophets, however you call these Jewish scriptures, the Old Testament, all of them are about him. All of them point us to him. And we are often wounded and grieving and we don't see him for a little while. And then again, after a little while, we will see him. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he were going farther, I love Jesus. But they urged him strongly saying, stay with us for it is toward evening and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at table with them, he took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. And we are joined together with him one loaf. And it is in being broken that we fall on the rock of Christ. It is in the breaking and the suffering. It is in our grief that he draws near to us. And he reveals himself to us. Embrace the process. You are not alone. You are not abandoned. Romans 8.28 And we know that for those who love God, all things, what things? These things we're going through, work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. This is one of the main themes of Acts, and it began back in Genesis. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 50. And as we prepare to close, let the communion ministers please come forward and take a seat. Genesis chapter 50, verse 15. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, it may be that Joseph will hate us and will pay us back for all the evil that we did to him. So they sent a message to Joseph saying, your father commanded before he died, say to Joseph, please forgive the transgression of your brothers and their sin, because they did evil to you. And now, please forgive the transgression of the servants of the God of your father. Joseph wept when they spoke to him. His brothers also came and fell down before him and said, behold, we are your servants. These guys are freaking out. Shrewd letter. It didn't work. Joseph said to them, do not fear, for am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God, but God meant it for good. Isaiah, chapter 40, verse 28. Christians, have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not grow weary. He does not grow faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. This this is talking about so many of us. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary, They shall walk and not be faint. In the law of God, the Lord declares to the people of Israel about their wanderings in the wilderness, I carried you on eagle's wings. You do not need to in your own strength, nor should you, try to rise up and overcome adversity. You do need to trust that Christ alone is, is able to give you of his power to overcome, to endure patiently the suffering that you have or are about to suffer. And his purpose is undefeatable. They who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. Church, we are in a season of waiting for the Lord. There are many who have sorrow or grief myself included, Paul said to the church of the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 4, 8-9, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. But Jesus said, Behold, I am with you always to the ends of the earth. Amen. For his anger is but for a moment, and his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Please come to the table of the Lord.